0: Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We're looking ahead and helping you answer some of your 2021 money questions today. As you know, I've recently partnered with Country Financial and they recently conducted a survey checking in on how Americans are feeling about their finances. Are we optimistic? Are we worried? 38% say they believe their finances will improve in the new year they're confident. And ahead of this episode I asked you on Instagram for your top financial questions as we ring in the new year. We're going to be tackling some of those in a moment. I've got special co-host Troy Frericks with me. He's the Vice President of Investment Services at Country Trust Bank. We've got questions about what to do with an inheritance someone recently received, whether to max out a 401k before the tax deadline, and whether to use savings for paying down debt or just keeping the savings intact. But first of all, let's go to the mailbag and pick our reviewer of the week. This person will get a free 15 minute money session with me where we can talk about whatever's on your money mind. And because I forgot to do this last week, I'm gonna pick two winners this time. First up is Love Jonas Four, who wrote Farnoosh weaves warmth, financial expertise, and personal experience into her interviews with financial experts, authors, speakers, and celebrities. I relate to her perspective as a woman and mother. Her gift is her ability to highlight that managing money is not done in a vacuum. Money has psychological, emotional, life planning, and mathematical number crunching components to it too. And this is my favorite part, guys. She says she creates a dialogue around money that helps the whole person. No one's ever said that to me. And I have to say uh, that's pretty awesome that that is what you've interpreted and uh, that that is what this show has created. Um, I'm really honored. Love Jonas for, and also thank you to Armida Hosseini, who's only a high school junior who left a review saying that, as a high school junior, very involved in increasing access to financial education, Farnoosh Sharabi's work always serves as an inspiration for what I do. Wow, what were you doing as a high school junior? I was trying to study for my SATs, thinking that was gonna unlock my future success. Should have been investing in the stock market. Should have been opening up a Roth IRA with my waitressing money, I tell you that much. So my friends, my listeners, please get in touch. My reviewers, you can email me com. I'm talking to you, love Jonas Four and Armida and let me know you left the review and I will kindly respond with a calendar link where we can set up a time to chat about whatever you want. Anything that you wanna talk about with your money, your career, high school. All right, now let's get to our biggest money questions. Here we go. Troy Frerichs, welcome back to So Money. We are close to the end of the year. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Farnoosh?
0: Well, uh, you know, hanging in there. Last time we spoke, it was in October. And uh, well, let's just say we didn't have election results and <laughs> we didn't have any vaccine hope. And things have definitely turned since then. And I think that there's a lot of optimism in the world as far as where this pandemic is headed. Although, you know, we're all still taking all safety precautions and we're not over it by any stretch. But I think there's... um there's hope looming. And I think it'd be really helpful for us. I think it'd be interesting to listeners to learn what you have learned about the state of America and how people feel about their finances. And it's nice to see through this survey that Country Financial conducted, that it seems like a good bit of us are more hopeful, optimistic uh, about our financial state than maybe we would have thought at this point. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, that, I think that that was I think there was a little bit of something for everybody in, in mm-hmm. this month or our, our latest financial security index. And, you know, we, again, we've been doing this since 2007 and each quarter kind of measuring how um, Americans are feeling about their financial security. This one just happened to take place post the election. So uh, obviously timing is everything, as they say. And, and when we asked Americans how they were feeling just overall about their financial security, it was about the same uh, a little bit higher, actually, than it was the, uh, a year earlier. Wow! So again, that's that's incredible, given what we've gone through in, in 2020. Is to have everyone generally feeling about the same uh, regarding their financial security um, as they did last year, and, and and you know a lot of that I think probably comes into play with the vaccine type mm-hmm. of hope, and obviously the stock market being at all time highs and that. You know, kind of the, the the net worth of the individual Americans out there uh, generally, you know, high as well if they're in the stock market and you know the economy starting to turn back around a little bit, unemployment starting to drop ever so slightly, right? And uh, so they're they I think they're you know, hope springs eternal. There's some optimism out here.
0: What I really liked about the survey: a majority of Americans, seventy six percent. Say that they have been able to gain or further develop at least one personal finance skill this past year, um, including cutting back unnecessary spending or paying down debt. I feel like I've also gotten better at being okay with the stock market, knowing, of course, that it's so unpredictable. And, you know, from March to where we are today, it's been quite the ride. And if, you know, I stuck with the ride and I'm so thankful that I did. I think that was also from living the last recession and knowing the risks that come with departing a stock market simply because one day you're down and one day you're up and not being able to stomach that volatility. But like staying the course, there's really something to be said about that. What have you been able to further develop in this in this pandemic, Troy? What do you think you've been you've become better at?
1: I think I'm like a lot of Americans in in that sense, and in, in that you know you're taking a look at your spending when times get tough. You know, do we really need that extra um, purchase or uh, vacation or some of those things that you can maybe deem unnecessary at the time, or things that you can you can cut back on? So I think you know I think that's one thing we we all look at when, when times get tough, and and knowing that there's some uncertainty out there, uh, obviously paying down debt. Or at least making sure that you're on you know on track with your debt payments and, and the like. So I, I think the list of things that that me personally as well as uh, many Americans have been able to kind of put together here and, and really take ownership of. I, I think it really in times like this I just look for things that I can control uh, yeah. because there's so many things that seemingly I can't, whether that's the stock market, whether that's uh, politics right uh, mm-hmm. y- you know and so focusing on the things that you do have control over can actually be a little reassuring uh, during a time where it feels like so much just isn't in control you know in your control.
0: Just a reminder to listeners, last time you and I talked, that was episode 1112 in October when we were very much still in the thick of our uncertainty with what was going to happen with the election and the vac- and the vaccines. And at that point, in that episode, we were really helping listeners with the issues at hand, whether that's parents trying to manage the costs of childcare plus working from home. Uh, we were... Um, helping listeners with advice around getting back in the workforce, if they had to maybe quit their jobs during the 2020 year to take care of family or themselves, how to navigate increased costs of you know the boomerang kids coming back from college because their schools are shut down. And now uh, I, I love that we're talking because we're going to be looking ahead and helping people uh, achieve their future goals. And in your survey in the country financial, Survey the index found that the the top financial goals for 2021 include people wanting to control their spending again you that control piece and then 29% said they want to save for an emergency fund because i guess that was the hard lesson learned in 2020 is like one day you have a job and the next day you may not because of an unforeseeable situation, in our case, the pandemic. So jumping off that, Christopher has a question for us, Troy. He wrote in, he said, I'm 24 years old. I just graduated college with a master's in international business. I have a total of $60,000 in debt and I have 20,000 currently in my savings. His question is, should I save the 20,000 for emergencies because of COVID or do I put that $20,000 towards my debt? And he threw in that he lives in Los Angeles. Well, some great things here I'm reading, right? Christopher, the fact that he has $20,000 saved by age 24, that's heroic. I mean, I don't know a lot of uh, people who who have achieved that much in savings at that young age. And while the $60,000 in debt is not great, uh, I, I assume here we're talking about student loans because uh, he talks about college and maybe that's related to his studying. So in the grand scheme of debt, maybe it's not the high interest credit card debt that we're talking about. Uh, what would be your advice to Christopher? I feel like, yeah, I kind of feel like I wanted to save some of this money. And maybe not just because of COVID, but because it's just the right thing to do.
1: I, I think it's great. Again, congratulations, Christopher, on, on graduating uh, with your master's. Um, he doesn't mention about having a job here. So I think there, you know, obviously it's uh, there's a lot of content, you know, dependencies here, and being able to give answers of what you may be able to do. But again, being 24 years old with uh, with twenty you know twenty thousand dollars in emergency savings, I think that's the foundation of a you know a solid you know beginning of a financial plan is having that emergency fund in place. And yes, you could go down and, and pay down debt with that, but I think you really need to factor in cash flows, what your jobs uh, prospects look like, and realize that. It is helpful to have some liquidity uh, in times of uncertainty as well.
0: Yeah, I would say to Christopher, jumping off of what you said, Troy, maybe it's not that you have to save all of that $20,000. We won't be able to make that decision for you because really that's going to have to be based on your comfort level and knowing your expenses and what you will need to cover in an emergency. So some hypotheticals that you want to go and work through and calculate if you are unemployed for a period of time. Now, I'm not as worried about a 24-year-old losing his or her job. It's more affordable to hire a 24-year-old, let's be honest, who's not as experienced. And so those jobs might be more abundant. So the amount of time, and we I mean even looking at Bureau of Labor statistics, we find that the younger you are, you're not, and you're actively working, looking for work, you're not out of a job for as long Long essay, somebody who is more senior. Um, so that's the good news. You don't probably need that like year or nine months of savings. But what about three months of your basic living expenses tucked away in a liquid FDIC insured bank account? Is that, you know, $3,000 a month? So times three, that's $9,000 a month. I don't know. I'm just throwing out the math as an example. So then that does leave you with maybe some money left to put towards debt. I will say this, though. if If you're talking about federal student loan debt, and I think we touched on this in the last episode, Troy, We know that federal student loan borrowers have a provision, thanks to the CARES Act this year, to defer their payments, and it actually just got extended into January of 2021. If that is your case, I would actually recommend that you let that ride its course and not pay down the student loan debt and instead maybe invest it in a 401k or someplace where it can actually earn more money. That's my advice. I don't want this to be, you know, go viral on the internet that like Farnoosh says, ignore your debt. That's not what I ever say or what I'm saying now, but I'm saying, you know, thinking about leveraging this temporary provision, which is not going to be a penalty to you, to just say, I'm going to sit out on paying this student loan because I can, penalty free until... February 1st. In the meantime, what are the other great things that I can do with this money to further my wealth? Whether that's cushioning your for your rainy day, getting your retirement planning going. I think that this is where good strategy can really take effect. Um, I don't know, if, Troy, if you wanted to add to that or we can move on, but just wanted to, to say that as well.
1: No, I, I am mean, you know, in, in agreement there, again, I like the liquidity aspect. I think it's also important to know what the, the interest rates are on the, right. on the debt and, and to factor all of those things in when you're making a decision. And, and if you need help, obviously, financial professionals are out there that you may be able to talk to that can help start to, to work through some, some strategies around this as well.
0: But Christopher, congrats on all that savings and lucky you living in Los Angeles with the warm weather. I'm a little jealous because it is is anything but warm out here in New Jersey. Kyra, or Kira, apologies if I'm uh, not pronouncing your name correctly, but she's wondering about retirement, Troy. She says, thinking of how I can set a goal to eventually max out my 401k contribution. She's 25. Again, I have these listeners that are so like... I love it. It's so motivating. I wish that I had like I wish I could go back in time and and inherit some of this like financial so moneyness. But she's 25. She currently contributes 5% a month to her 401k. She wants to get that up to 10% by June of next year. So she has a technical question. Does the maximum contribution include? your employer match? Or can I personally contribute the maximum, which is $19,500 in 2020 plus the employer match? And she says, I think the max is $19,500. She is right for the 2020 calendar year or tax year, I should say. Um, and she says, love the podcast. It has really upped my money game. Wow. Well, I believe that... I think we have good news for her here, right, Troy? I think it's like y- if you can do up to nineteen thousand five hundred, and then additionally, your employer can do whatever they can do, right?
1: That's right. Yep. You know, like you already mentioned it. I mean, twenty five. It's awesome that she's talking about uh, getting it from five percent a month to ten percent and get that savings up and really maxing out uh, that four hundred one k. Such a powerful thing to start early uh, and what it can mean down the road.
0: Truly, and uh, this year has been such a great example. Like I said earlier, of what it. The power of compounding and the power of sort of staying the course. And yes, so you're, if you have an employer match, my goodness, I mean, that's uh, such a bonus these days when you're working anywhere to do at least enough to earn that employer match is always the, the, the advice. But if this, if this is something you can do, Kira is to put you know, as much as you can. And then on top of that, get that cherry on top from your employer, that that so, quote unquote free money, as we say, that is going to be giving you such a head start, um, such an acceleration of your retirement savings. You're gonna be, you're gonna look back in five years and you're gonna be really happy that you did that. Thanks for your question. And thanks for listening to the show. Okay, Angela just opened up a Roth IRA sticking with retirement. And <laughs> she says, now what? How to educate myself on the best investments to buy in the IRA? This is a really popular question, I think, because so often the financial advice stops short, Troy. And I I include myself in uh, in this, in that we say, oh, of course, you must open up a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. It's a great way to save for your future. And then we move on to the next topic, and people are kind of left hanging, like, okay, then what? Which is what Angela basically is saying. What's what's the then what part?
1: Yeah, I, you know, again, this is a great question. And uh, Roth IRA is such a great vehicle to, to save for retirement. Obviously, you fund it with after tax dollars, gross tax deferred along the way, and then you're able to take actual tax free withdrawals after 59 and a half. I mean, it's, it's so powerful to, to to have a Roth IRA. You know, available to you and to to be funding it, and I think again, getting to the next question is, you know, okay, now I've got one. What do I put in it? And and I think uh, obviously, it all depends uh, as you're as you're kind of working through uh, each individual situation. Obviously, looking at your entire portfolio and what that means to to make sure that it's properly invested for what you're trying to achieve, Um, and then as you kind of move down the road, I think. Let's say you had a taxable account down the road, you have a 401k, maybe at work, you've got this Roth IRA, that's where things really start to become pretty powerful where you can start positioning, perhaps even different investments, uh, depending on their their tax uh, efficiency uh, in various buckets. So it gives you a lot of flexibility as you grow your assets down the road. And, And typically... You'd like to see uh, more tax inefficient assets put inside a, a Roth IRA. Things that may generate typically ordinary income or generate a lot of short-term capital gains. Things that just you know you want to try to shelter from taxes as best you can. So that's that's really a, a good uh, place to start.
0: Yeah, and I would defer a lot of times to wherever you opened up that Roth IRA. I don't know where you did, but let's assume it's any one of these online brokerages or. What you know, financial institutions that have automated platforms, automated investment platforms, typically you can enroll in some sort of automated investment plan with them. So you open up the Roth IRA and they will kind of take it from there. But first they have to ask you a bunch of questions. They want to know your age, your risk tolerance, what is this money going to be used for? Is it an IE? Is it something that you need in the midterm or long term or you're not going to touch it for the next 35 years and you know I, I know that for me one of the questions i i got asked when i took this test was like if the market plunged 20% tomorrow how would that make you feel <laughs> and i was like please god never and and i think then they get the sense of like who what kind of an investor profile who are you and from there they go and they find you The appropriate investments, usually a cluster of index funds, exchange traded funds, maybe um, some target date funds. And, you know, then you can see your portfolio and you can adjust as you wish. But. It's kind of a great way to defer that to the, the platform if that's something that you, is possible for you. We're all busy, Troy. We don't have time to be like going up and researching every single investment, nor should we.
1: No, absolutely. Talking with a, a financial professional or, uh, as you mentioned, a, a platform in, in, in this case is really serving that purpose. It's really uh, somewhere to get some help uh, mm-hmm. in, doing, in doing the heavy lifting there.
0: Great. And then last but not least, my friend Kristen wants to know what to do with some inheritance and wants to invest that for her kids. They're all, I think, under the age of six. So what do we recommend? And I think Kristen may already have college funds set up for her kids. I know one of them actually is a child actor. So there is some money that this child is bringing in. And I think she's just looking for like extra ways to Put this money to "quote unquote" work for her kids' future, and I've read up. I've read a bunch about like custodial accounts. What generally do you think is a good strategy?
1: Yeah, again, you know, this is a great question, and, and I'm, I'm making the assumption here that you know that Kristen's in in, in good financial uh, standing herself, that she's done um, things like having the emergency fund and and taking care of retirement and and the like, and and now really wants to turn the attention to. Um, setting something up for children, you know. Again, I think I think we all want to, you know, do a lot of things, have our our children well taken care of. But sometimes we need to make sure that we've we've got our our uh, finances in order too. So I, I'd still recommend, you know, for Kristen to look at it at her uh, her herself first, and and the you know the emergency funds and some of the good uh, fi- you know financial foundation type of things before moving on to um, you know putting some money away for the for the children's future, but. But certainly, if you mentioned the 529 plans uh, could, could be an option, as well as other types of accounts, uniform gift to minors accounts, um, those types of things, custodial accounts for children that you would uh, essentially uh, be putting money aside for them uh, while, they're, while they're minor and they obviously get that. When they reach the age majority,
0: right? Right. I know parents have set up brokerage accounts for their kids as, as a co, as a joint account holder, and then you know allowed them to take it over once they reach you know an appropriate age, whatever you you know you have to kind of meet your kid where they're at. But maybe it's eighteen, maybe it's twenty five. But um, the idea of sort of getting an investment portfolio started for your kid earlier. Um, is, is always something, you know, interesting to look into. Of course, we just talked about, you know, the power of compounding and starting early. But Kristen, uh, best wishes to your family. Thank you for your question. Also, Angela, Kyra, Christopher, we really appreciate your questions. And mostly we appreciate you, Troy, for hanging with us, not once, but twice on So Money and bringing us all the great insights from Country Financial and your uh, your work in uh, financial services. So really appreciate you and wishing your family a healthy and safe holiday.
1: Yeah, same to you, Farnoosh. I really appreciate it. And hopefully the next time we talk, we actually have a vaccine and yes. so it's a whole nother uh, type of uh, conversation for us, right? You're
0: going to be like, where should I spend all my money? Where should I... <laughs> What what bags should I buy? What house should I buy? No, I'm kidding. I mean, I think it's going to unleash some pent up demand to live life the way we did. And and I think that's healthy to some extent. So, But we'll be here to navigate you and rein it in a little bit. Uh, in the meantime, Troy, thanks again. And, and Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you as well, Furnace. I really appreciate it.